Well, thank you very much for that meaningful special music and warm greetings to you all for our brethren and family around the world. In Charlotte, we're experiencing a beautiful autumn day, and we pray that in the southern hemisphere, you're enjoying a wonderful spring day. Uh, this weekend, of course, is the Thanksgiving weekend celebrated here in the United States. But of course, the Feast of Tabernacles is really our main Thanksgiving feast throughout the year. Canada instituted its Thanksgiving Day as a nation holiday, a national holiday in 1879. And since 1957, Canada celebrates its Thanksgiving Day on the second Monday of October, which this year in 2020 was the third day of the Feast of Tabernacles. So they were able to have a, a double Thanksgiving. Canadians claim, though, that their first Thanksgiving was in 1578, long before the Pilgrims in 1621. But there are other nations that celebrate annual Thanksgiving Day nationally. Germany has an annual festival called Erntdankfest, and it's typically held on the first Sunday in October. While Turkey is the favorite for Americans, Germans are more likely to celebrate the harvest with chickens, hens, roosters, and geese. China has been celebrating a national Thanksgiving Day, they say, for 2,500 years. Uh, rather than the navy American pumpkin pie, uh, this famous Chinese dessert is moon cake. It's a baked uh, concoction filled with sesame seeds, ground lotus seeds, and duck eggs. Other nations that celebrate a Thanksgiving Day are Grenada, Japan, South Korea, Liberia, Vietnam, and as you heard in the sermonette, Norfolk Island off the coast of Australia. So we have one member there in the Norfolk Island who is celebrating Thanksgiving. The first Thanksgiving in New England was in 1621, and in November of 1620, just 400 years ago this month, the pilgrim ship Mayflower arrived off the American coast of Massachusetts near Cape Cod. The Puritans were seeking religious freedom from the Church of England, which they thought was very restrictive. They arrived when the coming winter prevented them from establishing secure building on land. So after a harsh winter in which 45 or 50 of the original 102 colonists died, they celebrated, however, a successful harvest the following fall in 1621, which became known as the First Thanksgiving. Uh, the native Wampog Indians had signed a mutual defense treaty with the Pilgrims. Uh, this is the November issue of National, Ge National Geographic History magazine, and it features Massasoit engineering peace with the pilgrims. So Massasoit, he was, uh, that's the title, he was, uh, his name was Osamaquin, and they reached an agreement of a mutual peace and a trade treaty. And over the tombstone of Massasoit, which is in Massachusetts, it states, his vision and 1621 treaty upheld 54 years of peace with early English settlers. And so 
The pilgrims and the Wampanoag Indians had much to be thankful for. Nations have celebrated Thanksgiving days for centuries, and some directly focus on the Creator for blessings. In fact, the first President of the United States, George Washington, with the support of Congress, established the Day of Thanksgiving on November 26, 1789. The proclamation was signed on October 3rd, 1789 in New York City. Now listen to this. It's a message that all nations should hear. President Washington made this proclamation, quote, Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have, by their joint committee, requested me, quote, to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. So notice that it was not just a day of thanksgiving, but a thanks day of thanksgiving and prayer. President Washington concluded the proclamation with this admonition, quote, and also that we may then unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions. What would happen if all nations and world statesmen would have that kind of proclamation around the world? We'd be living in a different world. So God has given, called us to be his children, to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And one of those characteristics of a true Christian is the attitude of thankfulness, the attitude of thanksgiving. God has called us to be his children with a great, genuine attitude of thankfulness. So what, what emphasis does the Bible give on thanksgiving, on that characteristic? In the New King James Version of the Bible, the word thanks occurs 71 times. The word thanksgiving occurs 31 times. And in 1 Thessalonians 5:16, if you want to turn there, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So do you practice that way of life? In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And that's the title of the sermon today, In Everything Give Thanks. The NIV says, <clears throat> give thanks in all circumstances. And also the RSV, uh, give thanks in all circumstances. So how do we give thanks? Do we give thanks for all circumstances? One Bible commentator states this, we cannot, of course, thank God for all circumstances, including those which are evil and displeasing to him. But we could and should thank him in all circumstances or whatever happens. The R-E-B, -E that is the Revised English the Bible, 
as whatever happens. So, in the world ahead, Mr. Weston wrote, that was November 19th, Americans and Canadians share a common holiday each year, although on different calendar days. Canadians celebrate a day of Thanksgiving on the second Monday of October, and Americans celebrate Thanksgiving on the fourth Thursday of November. Well, these are national days. Well, these are national days. They ought to remind us that our nations have been greatly blessed. Even in the most difficult year, those of us who know the truth and live by it have much to be thankful for. Perhaps it will do all of us well to take a few moments at the end of every week to count our blessings, both physical and spiritual, and to thank the one who gives us so much. So today I want to ask you two questions to begin with. We are thankful, of course, for both physical and spiritual blessings. So the first question is, and I want to give you 20 seconds to think about it, what is one physical blessing you are most thankful for? What comes to mind? What is one of the most physical blessings you are most thankful for? <clears throat> my answer is my wife of 56 years. She served me faithfully and put up with my character flaws. She's helped me when I've been helpless and lying on my back. Back in San Diego many years ago, I had an extreme back problem. And to counter that, we used to have uh, ice packs. I would have an ice pack on, the, on my back. We had two of them. And, and that was before cell phones. And how did I communicate with my wife? I had a pot, a metal pot and a spoon, and I would bang on the pot when the, when the ice pack had to be replaced with a newer ice pack. And then, of course, I ended up in bed. Bed, I was just not able even to walk, not able even to crawl. And one Friday afternoon, Dr. Meredith came over about noontime and anointed me. And I well, we went to sleep for about three hours. And after about three hours, I woke up and I didn't have any pain. And I wondered, I wonder, can I sit up? Can I actually go over to the side of the bed and actually stand up and walk? Within three hours after Dr. Meredith anointed me, when I could not even crawl, now I was able to walk without pain. And my wife served me all during that time, and I just thank her for all the blessings and her faithfulness. And there are multitudes of blessings, of course, too numerous to mention. But of course, not, my wife is not only a physical blessing, but a spiritual blessing as well. So question number one, what is one of the most physical blessings you are thankful for? Question number two, what is one of the most spiritual blessings for which you are thankful? I'll give you 20 seconds to respond. So what popped into your mind immediately? Did you have to think and try to process all kinds of thoughts, or was there something that popped into your mind immediately? It might tell you something about where you stand spiritually. 
Not that they're all kinds of correct answers, of course. But one that came to mind, of course, was that the blood of Jesus Christ takes away my sins. And of course, that's 1 John 1, 7. But he says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. But one of the most spiritual, great, greatest spiritual blessings is the matter that we can be cleansed from all sin by the blood of Christ. And of course, John 1, verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. You turn to James 1 and uh, verse 17. James 1. So we have multitudes of spiritual blessings, and we'll be discussing some of them uh, throughout the sermon. Of course, the spiritual blessings are endless, uh, almost infinite, but uh, we'll discuss some of them as we go along in the sermon. James 1 and verse 17. <clears throat> What is the source of our blessings? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth for the, by the word of truth, that we may be a kind of firstfruits of his creation, of his creatures. The King James Version has of his own will, verse 18, Begat he us with the word of truth that we may be kind of firstfruits of his creation. And so we really understand that God has begotten us as his spiritual children. We are his begotten sons and daughters. And what a wonderful blessing that is to recognize that the source of every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. That is the source of our blessings. It seems that God's blessings are infinite and without number. If we love him, obey him, and fulfill the will in our lives. So, God also gives us warnings, however, about unthankfulness. And uh, Rome turned to 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1. We've uh, read this scripture quite, I suppose, quite frequently because we are in the end times. And we realize that, yes... Uh, these are the end times in which this kind of atmosphere, kind of conduct, behavior, and chaos ensues around the world. Second Timothy 3 and verse 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, unthankful. Unthankful is just one of many different characteristics, but it certainly is telling as far as one's character is concerned. And as the behavior and a sinful approach to the world, in the world, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying his power from such people turn away. Romans 1 and verse 18. Romans 1 and verse 18 gives us another warning. Romans 1 and verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men 
who suppress the truth. Thankfully, God has given us the understanding and revelation, an open door to the truth, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may have been known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Verse 20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And what is one of their characteristics? Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and as foolish hearts were doctrine. So the characteristic of thankfulness is a recognition of the reality of God and the source of every blessing. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. So God's wrath is against those who refuse to acknowledge that he is the source of life and breath and the way to happiness and abundant life. So James said, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Next, we want to cover not only the warnings that God has given us against unthankfulness, but I want to focus on five special key scriptures on thankfulness and what God tells us should be our attitude towards gratitude and thanksgiving. Let's turn the first one to Ephesians 5 and verse 18. And perhaps uh, of these five scriptures, you could memorize all five. I've memorized parts of all, all of these five. Ephesians 5 verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, which is what we've done at Sabbath services today. Notice this, verse 20, giving thanks always for all things to God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God giving thanks always for all things. That's one admonition. So that's one of five key scriptures. Let's look at another one. Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7, as I told you several times, this is one of my favorite verses. Colossians 2 and verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving, abounding in it with thanksgiving. In fact, we have a sermon on our website by the title, uh, Sermon 1019, Abounding with Thanksgiving. We have several other sermons about thanksgiving. Uh, sermon 508, Do You Have a Thankful Heart? Uh, sermon 789, The Importance of Thankfulness, a split sermon by Mr. Dexter Wakefield. Uh, sermon number 914, Thanksgiving and Our National Purpose. We've had a Tomorrow's Word article on that subject. Uh, sermon 965, What Do You Mean Thanksgiving? Uh, by Mr. Peter Nathan. And then uh, one more recently, uh, I believe last year, uh, sermon 1037, The Power of Gratitude. 
by Dr. Scott Winnale, The Power of Gratitude. Well, now we just read Colossians 2, uh, verses 6 and 7, abounding with thanksgiving. Colossians 3 and verse 17. Colossians 3 and verse 17. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even so Christ forgave you, as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Verse 14, But of all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfectness, of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's pervasive. That's 24-7. It's what you do morning, noon, and night. Verse 17, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You brush your teeth, uh, you comb your hair, uh, you take a walk, uh, you do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Well, let's take another look at another key thankful uh, verse, thanksgiving verse, Philippians 4 and verse 6. Philippians 4 and verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In fact, we have a sermon by Mr. Wallace Smith, Sermon 1009, Peace That Passes Understanding. That's Sermon 1009. So he's saying, even when you ask for deliverance from anxious thoughts, you pray about everything that worries you, as we've emphasized in the telecast and some of our articles. But when you ask... You ask with thanksgiving. And the fact that you're asking with thanksgiving indicates that you have faith that God is hearing your prayer and we will answer in his time and his way. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. And we thank God for that as we make our requests made to God with thanksgiving. And of course, to have a positive mind and to overcome anxious thinking. Uh, Dr. Meredith wrote The Seven Laws of Radiant Health many years ago, and the greatest law of radiant health that he wrote was maintain a positive and tranquil mind. And we have uh, seven key attitudes also, which is uh, one of our sermons. So what is your attitude? Is it positive? Are you maintaining a tra tra tranquil mind in uh, times of stresses? I'm still working on that one. I, I in my little lesson book, had the lesson, be cool at all times. Uh, that's cool in the times of anxiety and, and pressures. So what is your attitude? Uh, that's sermon number 586. What is your attitude? 
Uh, sermon number 720, Character and Your Emotions. So do you control your emotions, or do your emotions control you? That's 720, Character and Your Emotions. And then sermon number 977, Springtime Attitudes. So will you choose a tranquil mind, and can you choose to be thankful even though you don't feel like it? And the fifth scripture we already introduced the sermon with, First uh, Thessalonians 5.16. First Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now notice those three are together. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. So all three of those are tied together. And remember, when you're thanking God, to rejoice and to pray without ceasing. You know, that, that there's any time in the day uh, that you can pray immediately. You have a, an emergency, or you're just walking along. And as I walked out the door of my, my house on the way here today, and just see this beautiful red bud rose, this rosebud, was just beautifully, perfectly designed in the rose itself. You thank God spontaneously for the beauty that he's created and we, the, the wonderful environment that he gives us from time to time. So these five scriptures are just an introduction to the principles of thanksgiving, but they are vital. So brethren, review them, uh, perhaps even memorize one or all of these five scriptures and let's always abound with thanksgiving and in everything give thanks. You may want to review, as I mentioned earlier, Mr. Peter Nathan's Thanksgiving sermon, number 965, What Do You Mean, Thanksgiving? Next, we want to take a look at the very attitude of Christ. Was Jesus Christ himself thankful? Turn to Matthew 11 and verse 25. Matthew 11 and verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. So Christ thanked the Father that he revealed the understanding, the truth, the way of life, the revelation of what's right and wrong, the way of love, the way of the Ten Commandments, the very purpose that we can be born into his family. He did not reveal that unto the great of the world, but Christ was thankful for you and me and the, our Father revealed the whole plan of salvation and the, the way of truth to all of us. Matthew 15 and verse 35. Matthew 15 and verse 35. Another occasion which Christ gave thanks. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and fish and gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up seven large baskets full of fragments that were left. 
So again, Christ gave us an example of giving thanks for the food that he provides. Matthew 26 and verse 26. And this is an amazing attitude of Christ or an example of thanksgiving. Matthew 26, 26. And as they were eating at the Passover, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood in the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Can you imagine that Christ was thanking God for this wine, which was symbolic of the blood that he was to shed for all of mankind? We thank God for that attitude. And of course, all the awesome blessings of his grace and forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. But not everyone gave thanks. In fact, I had this in my notes, but uh, Mr. Rodrick there uh, expounded on Luke 17 and verse 15. And so Jesus said, where were the, not the ten? But where were the nine? So there's one that came back and glorified God and gave Christ thanks. So thank you, Mr. McNair, for that sermon. And, and realize, yes, we must be the one and not of the nine who did not give thanks to Christ for their healing. And there's another example of false thanksgiving. And that's Luke, the 18th chapter. This is a kind of a selfish attitude. Luke 18 and verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all I possess. He actually wasn't thanking God. He was thanking himself. It was a selfish attitude. It was a self-righteous attitude. So we need to make sure that we have the right approach, the right attitude in our expressing thanksgiving. So Jesus Christ gave thanks, the bread and wine representing his very sacrifice. So God gives us, we pray to have a humble attitude and not a self-righteous attitude. And we remember the thankful attitude of our Lord and Savior. The number of blessings we have and to give thanksgiving is almost endless. Uh, but let's try and make a list anyway, and I encourage all of you to uh, make a list, or at least if not on pencil or paper or on iPad or computer, but at least in your mind. What are some of the blessings that you receive both physically and spiritually? Uh, around the Thanksgiving table and at other times, we often ask our, our guests, to, to each one in turn, what are you thankful for? What's one of your physical blessings for which you're thankful? And what are your spiritual blessings? And oftentimes, quite frequently, we'll hear the first thing they'll say is family. They really appreciate their family. And of course, we have a spiritual family as well. Others said they have the privilege of being a part of the Charlotte congregation. Well, that's, that's a very wonderful 
blessing as well. But our list could be un, unending if we really thought about it, but many of us are thankful for living in nations that God has blessed in the past. Many of us are thankful for the prosperity and abundance that God gave our nations. We're thankful for our freedom to worship, even though those freedoms are eroding in various ways. We thank God for the freedom to seek opportunities for fulfilling our human potential, family, friends, a job, education. We thank God for fresh air and sunshine and for food and drink. So on the physical level, you can be thankful right now that you are not a traveling refugee without a roof over your head. Now, millions of refugees have fled the nation of Syria. Other millions are migrating and risking dangerous travel to improve their lives. As of January 2019, according to the United Nations Commissioner of Refugees, 70.8 million people have been displayed, displaced worldwide. And someday we may be refugees when we're told to flee. The Living Church News, December uh, 2020, has six pages. We, uh, The Living Church News, November, December 2020, just went to press uh, this past week <clears throat> and uh, has six pages of thankful notes of appreciation from subscribers and other listeners. So I want to read this one. It's from a homeless woman in New Zealand. She says, Yes, it seems things are getting worse. Even for myself, it's hard to cope in such a testing time. I'm a homeless mother of six. But with hope of Jesus coming soon, I know truly... I know I truly can get through anything. Bring on the new world under God's rule. And that's a subscriber in Hamilton, New Zealand, a homeless mother of six. So we pray for others that are going through trials. And we pray for those who are being blessed as well. I know when my wife was babysitting uh, many, many years ago, a little boy was three years old and uh, they were praying, she was helping them pray before going to bed, and it's kind of a memorable prayer. She said, the little boy said, thank you, God, for the plum and glass of water. So uh, you, you realize even children can thank God for the simplest things. Thank God for the glass of water and the plum. So thank God. I, uh, As you know, I, I write poems from time to time, and I, I've shared this with you before. Uh, well, this, this particular one is a, a popular song. So, uh, what do we thank God for? And this is a song that was popular in the 50s. Uh, the best things in life are free. I won't sing it to you, but I'll just share the lyrics. The best things in life are free. The moon belongs to everyone. The best things in life are free. The stars belong to everyone. They gleam there for you and me. The flowers in spring, the robins that sing, the sunbeams that shine, they're yours, they're mine, and love can come to everyone. The best things in life are free. So we thank God for all the physical blessings, and we thank God for his creation, 
where we've seen the telecast on even the DNA and molecules and electrons and then expanding to the vast universe, uh, we realize what God has created from the universe and the galaxies, two trillion galaxies, and then, then as I mentioned before, even the rosebud is so, so beautifully, and a snowflake, the design that God has put in this creation. But we know that the greatest creation is his creating in you and me his perfect, righteous, holy, godly character. We have a sermon by that title, God's Greatest Creation, uh, sermon number 399, and that's available on lcg.org. So we thank God for all the physical blessings, but we thank him for all the spiritual blessings. But let's take a look at a few of the spiritual blessings for which we're thankful. Turn to Revelation of Matthew 11 and verse 25. I think we already mentioned this one, but we'll read it again. Matthew 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight that God has revealed to us the mystery of life. And we sang even the, uh, we sang in our hearts already at the beginning of services today, Psalm 8, when uh, David is wondering about what is the purpose of man and why are you visiting? Why do you care for him? You put all things under his feet. But we see not yet, of course, all things put under his feet, as it tells us in Hebrews 2 and verse 8. So God has given us all things. But Jesus said, I thank you, Father, that you've revealed these things, the truth of God, the precious, priceless truth of God to babes, not the great of the world. And there are these intellectual giants around the world, but they're carnal, and they cannot understand spiritual things and spiritual principles and the revelation of God. Turn to Revelation, the first chapter, <clears throat> Revelation 1, <clears throat> and we hear again one of the spiritual blessings God gives us. Revelation 1 and verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel, who was servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in, for the time is near. God revealed to us those things that were, are coming to pass. He's not revealed that to the world, but we are to witness to the world. He's given us an understanding of prophecy. And so we have several booklets on that. Uh, Dr. Meredith's booklet, Prophecy Fulfilled, uh, God's Hand in World Affairs. The world ahead, what will it be like? And then, of course, Mr. Armstrong talked about the two trees, which is another revelation. And on Mystery of the Ages, page 115, he talks about the, tr the true trees. One tree represented life from God. His way of life revealed knowledge. The other tree represented man taking the prerogative of deciding for himself apart from God what is right and what is wrong. 
And so we have a telecast, uh, it should be on our website, Evolution or Revelation. And the two trees, the tree of life, represented God's revelation of the way of life, of what's right and what's wrong. But, of course, Adam and Eve took of the tree of the life of good and evil, which, of course, they decided themselves what was going to be right and wrong, rejecting God's revelation. So God's character and nature and power and glory are revealed in his word. Revelation 4 and verse 9. Revelation 4 and verse 9. We get an insight to the very throne of God. Whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. So even the living creatures bow down and give thanks to God. Let's turn to Ephesians 1 and verse 15. We're considering the spiritual blessings that God gives us. Ephesians 1 and verse 15. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, Ephesus, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you to you the spirit of wisdom of him. So the Apostle Paul is saying, God has given you this wisdom and revelation. But the Apostle Paul actually says, I do not cease to give thanks for you. <laughs> so it must have been a regular habit of Paul to pray about the Ephesus church, to give God the thanks for that church. Do you thank God for his church? Oh, I, I won't turn there, but I'll just mention to these uh, to how Paul actually thanked God for all various congregations. For example, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 4, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Philippians 1, verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Colossians 1, verse 3. We give thanks to God and the and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor, and love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God our Father. So in Second Thessalonians 1 and verse 3, we are bound to thank God always for you. This could give us a hint, brethren, that we ought to be thanking God for our local congregations, for our area pastors and deacons and deaconesses and those who are serving. As he says in Second Thessalonians 1 verse 3, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. 
We turn to 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 10. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 10. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints but also is abounding through many thanksgiving to God. So the congregation was generous, while through the proof of this ministry, they glorified God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. Verse 14, and by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And, of course, that indescribable gift can be the very sacrifice of Christ. It'll be also the gift of his Holy Spirit. So God has given us that forgiveness. The Greek word here is found only in the Greek Bible. denotes something that is beyond human description. The commentary says, We can give without loving, but we cannot love without giving. God so loved us that he gave his ultimate gift, whose cost can never be matched, the gift of his own son. So that's the matter of his indescribable gift. We know John 3.16, and I hope, brethren, you've read the article, read the booklet by Mr. Weston, but John 3.16. The commentary goes on with regard to this uh, scripture in verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It was necessary for Paul to explain to the Corinthian churches at such great length the meaning of the grace of God and the death of Christ. Apparently the congregation did not understand what it meant either to be loved and to show love. <clears throat> and that's from a commentary on the message of Second Corinthians. So we thank God for the sacrifice of his son for us and for the whole world. I've already mentioned John 1 and verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We realize that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. The Samaritan people said that in John 4 and verse 42. And 1 John 4 and verse 14 also states that one of the titles of Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. We're thankful for God's forgiveness and, and for his grace. And he taught us to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's in Matthew 6 and verse 12. We're thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit after repentance and baptism. We're thankful not only for the sacrifice of Christ, but also that he is alive at the right hand of God the Father as our great high priest, that he ever lives to make intercession for us, as it tells us in Hebrews 7 and verse 25. As he knows what it's like to suffer. You read about that, of course, in, in Hebrews, the fourth chapter. And we know Hebrews, Romans 5 and verse 10. 
Romans 5, verse 10. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So Jesus Christ is alive, and he's working with you and me personally, preparing us for the kingdom, that we can be kings and priests and judges and serve millions and billions of people in tomorrow's world. And we know also that Christ is coming as King of kings and Lord of lords. We thank God for his coming kingdom. And we know that he's coming to prevent cosmicide, that is the death of every living thing on the face of the earth. And it's because there's an elect. And we pray, of course, that we can continue to be the elect. As he said, for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. And we're thankful for God's great promises of First Peter 1 and verses 3 and 4, in which he said he's given us exceeding great and precious promises. And of course, we receive special promises, and we've heard a recent sermon on this, uh, Galatians 3 and verse 26. You want to turn there? Galatians 3 and verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus, put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And you are Christ's. Then are you Abraham's seed. And if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So what promises do we have? The promises of life. We are promised to inherit. Inherit what? Inherit the earth. Matthew 5, 5. Inherit salvation. Hebrews 1 and verse 14. And thank God that you are part of God's family, that you are part of the very body of Christ, the church of God. Dr. Meredith gave a must-play sermon number 962. God's church is a family, and we've certainly been enjoying our physical family and our spiritual family this Thanksgiving weekend. We thank God for the true gospel, the same gospel that Jesus Christ preached about the coming kingdom of God on earth when all nations are going to learn the way of peace. We're thankful for God listening to our prayers, but it takes boldness as he tells us in Hebrews 4 and verse 14. You might turn there to Hebrews 4 and verse 14 for the spiritual blessing for which we're thankful. Hebrews 4, <clears throat> verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And I claim that promise frequently because I know I'm always in a time of need for grace and help. And we also thank God for comfort in times of mourning. 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 3. 
2 Corinthians 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So in every Living Church News, we have a section in loving memory. And those who have died recently, the obituary and some memorable thoughts of those individuals are listed there. And typically, uh, the average age of those who die, as we listed those in the section on the Living Church News, is over 80 years of age. So God is giving his people a long life in general. Of course, there are individual exceptions. We'll even mention one of those later. But we thank God for all those who have died in the faith. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9. And again, this is one of those amazing spiritual blessings that, that are... There's few words that can be expressed to thank God for this kind of blessing. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. But as it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. So God has just not real, revealed to us what might be natural. And on the surface, he's revealed to us the deep things of God. We know a very purpose that God is creating here for all mankind to be reborn into his family as spiritual sons and daughters of, with a mortal glorified life. What an awesome blessing. I gave a telecast one titled, Why the Universe? And of course, Stephen Hawking was a famous astrophysicist, and he wrote in his book, The History of Everything, page 136. Stephen Hawking wrote, quote, If we do discover a complete theory, it should in time be understandable in broad principles by everyone, not just a few scientists. Then we shall all be able to take part in the discussion of why the universe exists. If we find the answer to that, it would be the ultimate triumph of human reason. They're not going to learn through human reason. For then we would know the mind of God. Well, brethren, we know the answer to that. Stephen Hawking, a great astrophysicist, said, if we knew why the universe exists, we would know the mind of God. Well, brethren, God has revealed that to us. We know why the universe exists. It's the environment for human beings to learn the very purpose and meaning of God, that we can be a part of his family, that we learn to fear him, that we learn to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ in perfect godly character, and finally be born into his family to inherit the universe and to inherit the earth, and to inherit eternal salvation, and to inherit all things, as in the Greek, ta panta, meaning everything that is seen and unseen. As Jesus said, 
I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them unto babes. We thank God for his revelation. What other spiritual blessings can you thank God for? John 8, verse 32. You won't turn there, you know that one. Jesus said, you should hold the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But he told us, of course, in verse 31, that Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. What a blessing to know the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And it tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 7, love rejoices in the truth. So I hope you rejoice in the truth. And of course, as we already saw in 1 Thessalonians 5.13, that we rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and in everything gives thanks. So rejoice evermore, but rejoice in the truth. And again, we have a sermon by that title, Sermon 4.10, Rejoice in the Truth. But there are other lessons that we need to learn as a part of the spiritual blessings we thank God for. We thank God for teaching us spiritual lasting lessons. Uh, Dr. Meredith, when he had a stroke, and even when he learned of his cancer, said, I want to learn all the lessons I can learn. And God gives us the experience sometimes to learn the hard way. Most of us learn, we want to learn as much as we can the easy way or the, the spiritual way by prayer, study, fasting, meditation. But sometimes we have a character flaw that can only be corrected by God's correction, His loving correction. And so he tells, of course, in Hebrews 12 and verse 5, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Nor be discouraged when you're rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son <clears throat> whom he receives. So God corrects us in love, as it tells us in Hebrews 12 and verse 5. And when was the last time, if you did, when was the last time you thanked God for correcting you? I know over some recent weeks I went through some a strong correction. God gave me, and I'm not going to share what that was with you, but, but God corrected me, and I thank God for that correction. But what lessons do you learn from God's loving correction? Turn to Second Peter 3 and verse 8. As we realize that Jesus lived only 33 and a half years, and some of us take much longer to learn lessons. We may deceive ourselves. We may blind ourselves spiritually until something wakes us up. So he tells us in Second Peter 3 and verse 8, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
So one aspect of life is that we need to learn lessons, and we have a long life to live to learn those lessons. We received a letter from a prisoner in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, and he was telling about being thankful for one of the lessons he was learning. This is from a prisoner in Arkansas. Fellow Christian, I have received some of your booklets and they have blessed me in my studies of God's Word. You see, I am an inmate in the Arkansas Department of Corrections and have been studying God's Word daily for the past five years. I will be released in six months and feel that God has called me to help spread His Word to people that were just like I was, blinded to the truth, but did not see the way from being lost in the world. It has taken me 27 years of living a life of drugs and violence to see a purpose in my life. God hasn't revealed it yet, but He has put me behind bars to set me free. And I praise Him for bringing me to prison. Here's a person who's thanking God for bringing him to prison that he could be set free spiritually. And we have the sermon, Romans 8, verse 28. All things work together for good to those who love God, who, those who are the call according to his purpose. That's sermon number 966, Romans 8, 28. And it's taken me 50 or 60 years to serve to learn certain lessons. And I just need to have a teachable attitude so I can learn for the remaining years that God gives me. Sometimes it's painful, and I have to finally learn through some painful lessons certain uh, aspects that add to eternal character. So thank God for all the spiritual and physical lessons and gifts He's given you. Count your blessings and make your thanksgiving list. <clears throat> but how do you express thanks to God? One way is by your transforming your life. We thank God through hymns and songs and praise and poetry. And, and, but one way is through a transformed life to show that you have really changed from the carnal attitude and behaviors you once had to now to be spiritually oriented, to be a good disciple or student, a disciplined saint of God. Let me turn to Matthew 11, verse 21. Matthew 11 and verse 21. Jesus said, Surely I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. So Jesus is saying, harlots and tax collectors are going into the kingdom before these Pharisees. How is it they thank God? Through a changed and transformed life. First Corinthians, the sixth chapter Here's such an encouraging chapter where we start to think that we are so good and have had, you know, blessed lives in the past. But you understand that the Corinthian church had individuals who were sinners, just like all of us have been. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. 
Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Brethren, Christ came to pay the sins of such people as these with his blood. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. So how do we react then by a changed life? We've read it several times, but it's so important as a part of a, our vital ongoing character growth. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. This is an example of a transformed life. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So are you a living sacrifice? We express our gratitude, gratitude to God by changing our behavior, by transforming our lives, by having a thought, different thought pattern and speech pattern. We're overcoming and we're growing in spiritual maturity. And we also thank God during trials as well. One minister's wife years ago was facing quite a bit of severe trials in her life. And I had mentioned in a, a sermon about some one person who was writing down five things every day to be thankful for. And this minister's wife started doing this, not every day, but most every day, is writing down five things to be thankful for. And the last time I talked to her, she had over 31,000 things to be thankful for. It helped her going through her trials to make sure that she was thankful even during a time of trial. You think about Paul and Silas when they are in prison in Acts the 16th chapter and how they were put in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. I'll just read that, Acts 16 and verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So here their feet are in stocks. They can't even move. And yet, how did they face that trial? Praying and singing hymns to God. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. And so, as you know the story, they were released from heaven. So give thanks to God even during trials. And thank God for the resurrection from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. So brethren, express your thanksgiving to God many times a day. Express thanks to others for their kindnesses to you. And more importantly of all, express your thankfulness for spiritual maturity, changing your behavior for good, overcoming every day, and becoming more conformed 
to the image and the nature of Christ, as it tells us in Romans 8, verse 29. As you know, I've shared some of these poems with you before, but I like to write poems from time to time, and this was one back I wrote back in 2011. It's another way of expressing thanks. I call this poem, Another Prayer of Thanks. Thank you for the wind and rain. Thank you for the hills and plain. Thank you for the sky above. Thank you for eternal love. Thank you for the coming King. To him we pray, we love and sing. Thank you for the words you say, the world at peace in your great day. So express thanks to God by a transformed life. And thank, thank one another for their kindnesses. And thank God dozens of times a day and always use the expression, thank you. I, in, in our household, I'm, my wife and I are saying thank you several times a day. And uh, it helps our communication and our relationship. One more area we'll give thank God for is your calling. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 26. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 26. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.26, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, by to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. For it is written, who, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. So thank God for your calling. Thank God for your part in his work. Thank God that he is blessing his work. As I mentioned before, the November-December 2020 Living Church of God, uh, Living Church News just went to press. And in that magazine are six pages uh, from subscribers expressing appreciation for the benefits they receive through God's work. Mr. Simone gave some of those in the announcements. And the article in the Living Church News, which you'll be receiving in a, a few weeks, or maybe two or three weeks, hopefully, uh, you are making a difference. I want to read a couple of these. It's from a subscriber in Orimba, New South, New South Wales, Australia. I forward my sincere thanks to you all, to you all responsible for your wonderful and much valued broadcasting and literature. Your efforts have changed my direction in life and given me a secure understanding in the Word of God. I have recently decided to leave the Pentecostal ministry after 30 years. Well, there's a subscriber in New South Wales, Australia, who's a Pentecostal minister. It's in our literature has helped him to leave the Pentecostal ministry after 30 years. Uh, this one is a subscriber in Malone, New York. On behalf of incarcerated offenders and ex-offenders, we would like to welcome the Church of God 
by thanking your ministry for their service and dedication. Without your staff's fervent dedication and love for each one of us, we probably would be lost in mediocrity. Thank you for not leaving us alone, not leaving any one of us behind. We are blessed and our lives are so much richer because of your ministry. We wouldn't know the true meaning of life without your ministry. That was a prisoner in Malone, New York. I'll just read one more. Dear sir, I have received your wonderful literature. What struck me most was your Tomorrow's World magazine, July-August 2020 edition. Your article, The Perfect Storm, touched my soul. I believe I must pay serious attention to God's warning. One of your ministers visited me before, hoping I could attend your Sabbath worship service someday. May God bless you. This is a subscriber in Metro Manila, uh, the Philippines. And we receive letters from uh, Brazil <clears throat> and all over. And we have an editor's comment in those six pages of comments saying, make no mistake, they are not all positive. We receive plenty of criticism, which frankly should also encourage us. Luke 6, verse 26. So in the November, December Living Church News, which we'll be getting soon, we have an article by Mr. Wallace Smith, We Have a Mission. And then by Mr. Mike DeSimone, 2020 Digital and Broadcast Media Update. And these are so wonderful and encouraging news that God is helping us in the work. So bless, thank God, brethren, for your part in doing the work. Thank God for blessing his work. Uh, we're getting more and more people taking the uh, Bible study course. As Mr. DeSimone mentions, we have been making active progress toward this new goal, getting closer each month and having over 13,000 people start the Bible study course in both July and August. So God is blessing the work. We are dedicated to doing the, fulfilling the mission that Christ has given us to preach the gospel to the whole world. So thank God for the ability to do his work. I won't turn there, but I'll just read it from Second Chronicles 29, verse 14. King David said, But who am I, and who are my people, that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. This one donor in Hopkins, Minnesota says, I wish I could afford to send you more money, but I do enjoy your newsletter and wonderful magazine. Thank you. In an article many years ago from your magazine, I read about the perils of smoking cigarettes. I quit that very night, so thank you again. So David said, who am I? We're giving of your own. So brethren, thank God for blessing his work. And be sure that you're praying as we often exhort you in Matthew 9, verses 37 and 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plenteous or plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So we are living in the prophesied times of ingratitude. The Apostle Paul warned about those who are unholy and unthankful. So Christians, by contrast, are thankful people. We appreciate God's love for humanity, and even 
the conscious, we are conscious of His grace, His love, and His mercy towards us. We need to have the exercise and the attitude of thanksgiving, which is a way of thinking. An attitude of gratitude is a way of living. It's an aspect of godly character, and it's a continuous state of mind. It's an attitude we must exemplify to our dying days. Dick Armstrong, who was Herbert Armstrong's oldest son, was in a terrible driving car accident during a baptizing tour in 1958. He was dying in the hospital, and one of our church nurses was with him in the hospital before he died. And she said that he was thanking God for everything he could think of before he died. He died at age 29. So, Brother Lakes, make sure that we are dedicated to thank God and to have that attitude of thankfulness until our dying days. And as we read in Colossians 2, 6, 7, let us be established in the faith as we've been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So let us thank God for his revelation, for his grace, the very sacrifice of Christ, which we'll be reviewing in Passover coming up. Thank God for his revelation, the understanding of truth, the understanding of his plan of salvation for all mankind is calling for training us as kings and priests and judges in the coming kingdom. And thank God for his precious, priceless promises. So brethren, let's fulfill our purpose and our mission with God's continuous guidance and blessings. May we always abound with thanksgiving and may we always exemplify an attitude of gratitude and in everything give thanks. And in everything, give thanks.